It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I haven't told you to for a while, so go follow us on Twitter, at Jake underscore NFL for me, and at Joe Goodberry for Joe. Go subscribe to the podcast on the application of your choice. We're on all of them. Today on the podcast, I spent 25 minutes with CJ Uzama finding out about his hobbies, his pastimes, what he enjoys in life. I sent him a Cincinnati chili recipe after we recorded because he said the stuff in the restaurant didn't really agree with him. And I think I know the ingredient in the chili that causes people to have issues with it. So I sent him a recipe that he can adjust. He likes to cook. You'll find out about CJ Uzama. We'll talk about football a little bit too. That's all coming later on the podcast. We talk about football for most of the time. There's only six minutes of talking about his life actually. Uh, I was starting to get concerned there. Yeah. But he's a good guy. Just as good of an interview as, as Trey Hopkins was, Emily Parker, the Bengals Director of Communications, has done brilliant work getting us some very personable Bengals to interview. So I really appreciate that. Before that, though, we've got some injuries to update you on, and we have five minutes to talk about the Bills game and start to get ready for another week of football. Move past the 49ers, maybe with a few parting shots on what we saw from All-22, and that's going to be your lead story. The injury report for Wednesday is looking kind of bleak for the Bengals, who have A.J. Green at least making progress onto the rehab field. Cordy Glenn has reportedly entered the next phase of the concussion protocol as he engaged in some agility work before practice today. Tyler Eifert got a not-injury-related Veterans Day off, but B.W. Webb, who had his arm in a cast, didn't practice. Kerry wins in the concussion protocol. Ryan Glasgow has a thigh injury. He finished the game with that injury, I assume. Michael Jordan didn't practice with his knee injury, although that's not as serious as we once thought it was. Carl Lawson didn't practice with a hamstring injury. And Andre Smith didn't practice with a groin injury. Yesterday, we talked about the fact that the Bengals called up Keaton Sutherland from the practice squad, and that's because the offensive line has maybe six guys healthy on it right now. And Keaton Sutherland can help at tackle or guard which Bengals seem to be thin at both. They expect to have Andre Smith back for this Sunday. We still aren't sure on when or where Cordy Glenn will make his first appearance of the season as he's dealing with this concussion for far too long. I think everyone's starting to get a little concerned there for his own health and safety at this point. Uh, But for Michael Jordan, it sounds like he cannot play. And if he can't, it's going to be Billy Price replacing him at left guard. This is I mean, man, this is big for Billy Price, right? Uh, from losing your your center job in year two in camp, you get your first opportunity to really 
crack this lineup again, and the Bengals haven't been able to run the ball. Pass protection's been shaky on the longer developing plays. If he gets in there and helps solidify it just a little bit on the inside, and there was a lot of missed uh, opportunities in the run game last week where I think Michael Jordan had really not the best performance out there. If Philly Price can elevate that left guard spot, he can earn this position. And uh, Jake, you and I both agreed, I think, during the draft process of Billy Price's uh, uh, draft season that he was a better fit at guard. This is a potential opportunity for him to not only win the job, but actually be a positive contributor. And if the Bengals are looking, you know, forecast here, that's, that's, that's you know, this week. But if you're looking into the future, if he can lock down this left guard spot, it could potentially be Jonah Williams, uh, Billy Price, and Trey Hopkins from left to center. And I think everyone feels a little bit better about that if it works out. Let's see how it does this week. And John Miller was nearly Pro Football Focus's right guard of the week last week. So if Billy Price comes in and plays at a similar level, that interior for the Bengals offensive line suddenly is something that you feel a lot better about. Because Trey Hopkins has been rock solid through two weeks. John Miller had a great performance against a really good defensive line in San Francisco when everyone else around him was not having such a great performance to be friendly, to be generous. The tackles are still going to be an issue until Jonah Williams and or Cordy Glenn are ready to play. But at least you can feel good about the interior offensive line if Billy Price can solidify the job at left guard because Michael Jordan, he's a fourth round rookie. He's played well considering all of that. But compared to the better guards in the NFL, he leaves a little bit of something to be desired at this point. That's not to say he'll never get there. I think he has a lot of promise. He's just not there yet. But for the Bengals, who will almost certainly be looking for a new offensive lineman next offseason, solidifying that interior essentially removes a need for the Bengals in the next offseason where they'll need an offensive tackle anyway. Although it's worth noting that Trey Hawkins is on a one-year deal. He was a second-round RFA tender for the Bengals this year. And he hasn't had much uh, high-end experience or performances in his past. I, I wouldn't say he'd be a hard person to re-sign if he does continue to play the way he has the first two weeks of this year. Uh, but yes, on John Miller at right guard, watching him on film, I thought he was really the only guy getting to the second level. There was a couple times week one Trey Hopkins was. This week it was John Miller. So maybe the timing is starting to gel a little bit because on those combo blocks where one guy's got to, uh, where both guys take on a defensive tackle and one guy's got to climb for a linebacker, that chemistry has to be thick in order for this to really work. And you saw in a few, uh, Zach Taylor talked about missed opportunities in the run game where they were maybe one block or one assignment off from really breaking a one-yard run into those five, six, seven, eight-yard runs that the Bengals are desperately needing. One guy being off just a little bit, you saw him a handful of times this past week, that can be cleared up. But again, here we're talking about inserting a new left guard into the lineup. Again, late after maybe these guys get a week or two together, uh, it seems like we're in a perpetual reimagining of what this offensive line looks like. The tight ends will also need to block a little bit better or they'll have to get some help because this offense is still asking the tight ends to go one-on-one with defensive ends. We'll see how the offensive line performs against another stout defense in Buffalo. It'll be another chance for the Bengals to prove that they are at least a decent football team and we'll get another data point to determine whether they're that team we saw in week one or the team that got blown out by San Francisco in week two. And I think it's kind of hard to gauge where the Bengals are right now. I know they were very competitive week one, uh, got really dismantled week two. I've watched the film three times now. Each time it gets worse in terms of, I I mean, I can see the bright spots in it, but I I come away going, wow, 
either San Fran is a really good team or the Bengals are really bad. And historically, if Paul Denner looked at this, at the um, you know starting off 0-2 and one of them being a blowout typically means at best you're winning six games uh, based on statistics. So maybe they are a bad team. But uh, Seattle is 2-0 and now. San Fran is 2-0. and I think San Fran looks really good. Buffalo is 2-0. and So what was scheduled to be one of the easiest schedules in the league, it's turning out to be a, a, a bad time to have the injuries they had in preseason and in camp to really if you want to do anything. I, I know the first three weeks don't make your whole season, but if you go 0-3, that, that's it in terms of having any hope of making any type of headway or any type of damage, any noise. In the 2019 season for the Cincinnati Bengals, they uh, you go 0-3 and you're you're slipping to the to the forgotten about team and you know with the other Raiders, Browns, and maybe not the Browns this year, even though they haven't looked so good. But you know what I mean. You're slipping with those teams that just don't get talked about anymore. The other side of the coin, and the way that I might prefer to look at this, if things continue going the way they're going, is somebody tweeted me this is a beta test year for Zach Taylor and this coaching staff, and he's just going to try to go out there and get through the season, do the best they can, but you knew this team wasn't going to be very good, right? The personnel is the same. The issues are the same. Losing Flint Bowling and losing uh, Jonah Williams really set them back for the only pieces that we thought might be solidifying that offensive line, but instead we're still trying to figure out who the left guard is. Cody Glenn hasn't played all year, and the rest of the offensive line kind of is what it is. So that's kind of where it starts and stops for the offense. And then for the defense, the linebackers are just as bad as we feared they would be. Both Preston Brown and Nick Vigil have been absolutely horrendous. They haven't been good. They're missing tackles. They're too slow. They're not getting to their gaps. At this point, you could put in Jordan Evans and Jermaine Pratt, and I don't see how it could possibly be worse. Yeah, I even floated this idea to you in, uh, in, in our messages, Jake, that at this point, maybe it's not this point, maybe it's in a couple weeks when they start really trying different things, uh, but maybe you have a, a, a Vigil and, and Brown unit for your linebackers, and then the other unit is Pratt and Evans, because you really should find out what you got in Pratt at some point here. It, can, it can't be in the too distant future that you start rotating him in. There's no excuse for him to have three snaps so far while these guys are um, playing that poorly, but I said the same thing last year and they never really got Malik Jefferson in there. So let's hope everyone keep your fingers crossed that we don't have that situation again. But I think back to Nick Vigil's rookie year also, he barely played until the very end. Uh, So let's hope we see him, Jermaine Pratt, a little bit earlier. I tweeted out a list of free agent linebackers for 2020. You want to go take a look at the guys that I want next year. They're, They're out there. We're crossing our fingers for the linebackers, but one place you won't want to cross your fingers is when it comes to keeping safe at work or in your yard or in your workshop. And to do that, you should call up Abco Safety, a safety distributor located in Cincinnati. They're partnering with 3M to sponsor the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you or your company purchase safety equipment, give them a call because they promise to save you money on your safety budget. Their website, www.abcosafety.com, has a list of all of their products, but keep in mind those are retail prices. They'll give you corporate pricing if you give them a call. Joe, what are we looking at today? Jake, I'm looking at their clothes section. They've got a lot of uh, work clothes from, you know, T-shirts to button-ups, polos to protective gear, whether it's welding um, or insulated bibs or or coveralls. I think all of this works for if you're working industry or any type of uh, service. They, they pretty much get everything for everyone. So go check out Abco Safety's website and then give them a call at 513-672-1818 and mention Lockdown Bengals to save some money and keep safe. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Next on the Locked On Bengals Podcast, I spent 25 minutes talking to CJ Uzama. For the next six minutes or so, we're talking about just some of the things that he's interested in. He likes to snowboard. He likes to travel. You'll hear him talk about some of his own personal interests. You can get to know the player off the field a little bit. And then for 15 minutes or so, maybe 20 minutes, we talk a little bit more about football, getting into some of the X's and O's, some of the things that he found challenging or interesting coming from Auburn to the Bengals and a tight end coach for the first time in his career. Without further ado, here's my conversation with CJ Uzama. Hello. Hi, CJ. How's it going? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm not bad. Appreciate you coming on with us today to talk about... I'm going to try to follow the same format. I I talked to Trey Hopkins last week. With Trey, we talked a little bit about his personal interests and what I've been able to glean about his life and talked a little bit about that. And then we started talking about football. Does that work for you? That works perfectly. I've gathered the following list of interests about you. I know you're a soccer fan. I am. One of our listeners asked about Pokemon Go. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not as involved in Pokemon Go as I was. I'll okay. say that. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I saw a picture of you snowboarding. I love the Midwest and going into the mountains. Yeah, I, I um, go on a snowboarding trip all the time with uh, uh, once a year with, with my, my guys from Auburn. So, uh, yeah, I love snowboarding. Jackson Hole, Wyoming is the one of the most beautiful places in the world. Nice. And it looks like you've done some travel in Europe. Uh, it looks like I saw some pictures in Spain and Italy, at least. Have you done a lot of travel? Yeah, I try to go over there as well, um, Once, at least once a year. This year it was um, for Gio's wedding. But prior years it's been, yeah, Spain. Um, it's been Amsterdam, uh, Belgium, um, Italy again. Uh, yeah, I go over there a decent amount in Germany. That's fun. Do you have any favorite spots in Europe that you've visited so far? Um, I love Holland. I think the country is beautiful. The people there are beautiful. The food there is amazing. Um, but I will say Italy and Gio's wedding was probably the most, one of the most fun like weeks that I've ever had in my life. So uh, that's a, that's a toss-up. I don't think very many people would think Holland right off the top, so that's a good answer. Also, <laughs> their their soccer team, their national team, wears orange jerseys, so you have that in common. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, I actually got to go to an Ajax um, soccer match over there, which was incredible too. So um, it's it's a fun little culture they have over there for sure. What's your soccer team of choice, or do you call them football teams, or is that confusing as a football player? No, I, I, I stick with soccer for the most part, um, unless I'm trying to know my teammates who hate soccer, and then I say football. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, my, my team, aside from the U.S. men and women's national team, um, would have to be Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea, just uh, I've watched them since I was in college, since they had Drogba and John Terry and all the boys, Frank Lampard. So um, Chelsea, is my, that's, my, that's my squad. Have you been over to a Chelsea match? I have not. I'm actually going this this year. Um, I'm going to take my parents over there, and we're going to go watch a match, or next year, obviously. 
Nice. That'll be fun. Have you ever talked yeah. to Chad Johnson about soccer? I know he's a huge soccer guy. You see him talking about going to tryouts and, and playing <laughs> FIFA all the I, time. I actually played Chad in FIFA uh, my rookie year. Um, when we played the Seahawks at home, he came over to my apartment and we played a, a five-game series, and I won the five-game series. So I've talked to him one time about it. Um, I've seen him since, and we kind of um, – talk crap to each other about it's awesome so yeah i've talked to him uh, a few times chad i don't think would ever admit would he admit that he lost to you in a five-game series every oh, no, time no, i no, see no. him he, on he, he'd say something no 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 he definitely would not admit that i have <laughs> proof jake kumaro was there with me i had to have someone there in the room to make sure that they knew what was going on and <laughs> jake will attest to the fact that i won that excellent i'm looking forward to seeing that proof come out one of these days <laughs> I'll so, tweet it out. Oh, yeah, please do. That would be excellent. Uh, so you're not playing Pokemon Go anymore. One of our listeners asked for your top six, but if you don't play it anymore, we won't go into it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I haven't played in a while. Um, I, I pick a new phone game every year, so that's that's not the one this year. Okay, I got you. It's just it's interesting because Trey Hopkins was also, he, he was a Pokemon red-blue kind of guy back in the childhood really? days. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he said, I asked him what his favorite evolution was, and he said he's a water trainer, so Vaporeon. I think that Vaporeon, really. I was more of a Flareon, I think. You're a Flareon? All right. I think, I think I'm a Flareon, yeah. You're a fiery kind of guy? I think so. I, Vaporeon, I think, is the most, is the most, I think it's the strongest of the three, I want to say, but I, I like Flareon for some reason. There you go. It's all preference, really. Exactly. Do you have any other hobbies that you would like Bengals fans to know about? Any other fun facts that people might not know about you? I enjoy cooking. I'm, I don't think I'm very good at it, but I enjoy it. Uh, and, and I do. So because I travel a decent amount, um, I like doing puzzles of the places that I've been to and framing them. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, like a... Um, like I, when I went to Spain, there's Park Gaul that I went to in Barcelona, and so um, I got a Park Gaul puzzle, a thousand piece puzzle, and put it on the wall. I went to Austria, did an Austrian puzzle, um, things like that. So just small little things when I get bored. Yeah, you, we all need our meditative hobbies, right? Exactly. Puzzles can be very meditative. Well, cool. I appreciate talking about your life a little bit. If you don't mind, we can talk about football a little bit too. Yes, let's do it. So in just a minute, we'll hear my talk with CJ Uzama about football. We talk about the run game. We talk about his transition from no tight ends coach in college to having a whole tight end room in the NFL and a lot more than that. CJ Uzama is a really engaging guy, gave some really thoughtful answers. So stay around for a long conversation about football with CJ Uzama. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. My bookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. 
Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit MyBookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So you're in a rotation this year, a little bit at tight end. You're not out there every single play. How's that feeling? Are you out there? It looks like about 50% of the time you're blocking, about 50% of the time you're going out into routes this year, which is pretty consistent with your career. But what's different this year? How's the rotation? Yeah, I mean, I think the difference is, um, you know, right now we're a healthy group and um, I am getting to play with my guy Tyler um which which hasn't been able to hold true um and for me I I love the fact that you know it is 50 50 um and and when he comes in it's um primarily I mean you know defenses can kind of scheme different ways but um we're doing a multitude of different things so it's not just every time he's in he's going out on a route you know we're, we're running the ball and we're pass protecting and um yeah I'm pleased with how it is it's keeping us all fresh and um you know, I think that's that's something that's important for, for a long season. Yeah, and it's something that I'm sure Zach Taylor has experience with. I mean, specifically the running back position when we saw Todd Gurley kind of get worn down toward the end of last season. It sounded like it was something that he wanted to keep you guys fresh for the whole season. Right, right. And, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think even the way he's structuring practices for us and, you know, um, when we go hard, we're going we're going 100 miles an hour. But um, when he says walk through, it is, a, it is a walk through. It's not like a jog through. It's not you know, up-tempo it is we are walking and, and making sure that we're um, assignment sound and then we'll pick up the pace. And, and you know, I think that is, um, you know, that's going to show um, towards, towards you know, middle of the season, end of the season when we're still fresh and out there running as fast as we can. That's good to hear. My co-host Joe said Andy Dalton's best throw from week one was a throw to you when he had to throw it before you could even turn your head to look for the ball. How late did you see that one come in, and how hard is it to adjust and and when you turn around and you see the ball isn't where you expect it to be? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's it's tough. <laughs> I saw it very late. I saw it once it hit my hands. Um, uh, but I think, you know, that was good awareness by him um, because he had Jadavion Clowney just running full speed at his face. Um you know, I, I watched that play a lot just because I wanted to see what the defense was doing um, and, and, and how I kind of was, was open. But um, they had a busted coverage, and Andy saw that late the safety had taken the, the underneath route and threw it off his back foot with Jadavion in his, um, in his lap, and, and Gio had picked up a blitz on the left side. So um, that was an unbelievable throw. He put enough loft on it for me to be able to, to catch it last second. Um, and, yeah, that was, that was just a good play all, all around. How did you learn that when you were learning how to play football? The the whole comeback route where when you turn around, the ball's supposed to be in the air already, or the quick out where you turn and the ball's supposed to be in the air, you have to find it mid-flight and catch it. 
Was that something that is, is, just, is it just repetition? Is that something that you think is innate or is it just something that, you know, you're learning when you're young? Um, I think, I think it's a combination of, of a few of those things. I mean, I think, um, obviously your reflexes, I mean, it's an, it's an eight, you know, I've been playing since I was six, so it's kind of, for me, it's second nature. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, you're, you're turning around and you start, um, high to low, you know, you're, you're looking up in the air first to, um, make sure you're not looking directly at the quarterback and you're, you're like, oh, well, the ball's done. And then all of a sudden it lands right in front of you. Um, and then it's just reflexes and, um, yeah, knowing, you know, kind of ball and, and just kind of reacting at that point. And along those same lines, what would you say is the hardest catch for you to make? Is it those where you have to find the ball mid-flight? Is it the ones that are going to require a high level of athleticism to go up and get it or extend behind you? What do you find the most challenging when you're trying to catch them? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, I think tracking the ball when you're running full speed I think that's when I watch AJ Green run routes and the way he runs routes and how hard he runs and, and you know the, the speed in which he runs. It's that's the most impressive thing to me. The way he can track a ball, a deep ball, running full speed. Um, most people you see when they're, when they're running full speed, it's it's tough to track a ball. They kind of make it look. They make catches look hard. Um, and because that is a hard catch, you're running as fast as you can trying to catch a ball that's that's probably overthrown from you or. or, or in a place where you can only catch it. So I think those are probably the hardest ones to catch, if not, um, you know, just obviously I think a tip ball, if a defensive lineman tips it and you're running across the middle and the ball, uh, the, the flight of the ball changes and the trajectory changes, you have to readjust your eyes to your hands. So I think those, those are the two probably hardest ones. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. When the ball doesn't do what you expect it to do, that makes it right, a lot right. harder. I mean, that's the whole idea of pitching in baseball, right? You make the ball do something the batter isn't expecting. Exactly. Speaking of, of ball tracking, I just I just kind of flash back to, like, you get a deep throw, and I'm sure everyone has done this. Just listen, if you've ever played football, you've ever gone out for a deep pass, you look over one shoulder, and then the ball goes over your other shoulder. You have to look back over your other shoulder. That was always the hardest thing for me. Is that something that you ever work on or you practice, or is that just, like, you either have it or you don't? Um, I think I – for me, I mean, again, I think that it is because I've been playing for so long, um, you kind of just know where the ball is coming. So once you look in the air and you're like, oh, this, I mean, this is <laughs> clearly the ball's going over the other shoulder, um, you're, you know where the ball is going to be by the time you look back over the other shoulder because you've, I mean, you've played and you know your quarterback and you know how those balls land and, and things like that. So um, for me, again, I, I don't think, um, obviously, you, you, practice to an extent those those balls but at the same time it's kind of like okay i know that when i turn back over the shoulder the ball's going to be so and so yards away from me yeah so what you're saying is you be a good football player and, and you get used to some of the things that are hard football players, right? <laughs> exactly exactly yeah well i'm not a good football player i'm a podcaster instead they have uh tight ends blocking the backside a lot more this year i think than we've seen in years past at least through a couple of games What's that responsibility for you, and how does that challenge you as a tight end? Yeah, um, it, it's something that's a little different. You know, I think that um, I am learning, and, and, and obviously it's a process, and I need to – I mean, I'm just thinking about this last game, and I need to improve um, and, and, and you know, certain steps that I'm taking. But um, I think that it, it kind of 
mirrors with everything that we're doing as an offense. I think that it makes more things in the passing game, more things in our, um, you know, our, our play action game look, you know, our, our screen, everything mirrors and everything looks the same. And, and so for us, it kind of, um, it takes a load off, you know, it, we're not having these defensive ends that are, you know, just completely rushing up the field and, and, and um, you know, containing the run or, or, you know, scheming certain plays that we have because everything mirrors so well. So um, I think obviously we, we have strides to, to take in that area um, as, a, as, a, as a group and as a room. But I think that from our perspective, it, it you know, lightens the load on us. I, I think that, you know, the tight end position, the, you know, they ask a lot of you as an offense, you know, block best pass rushers go out, catch mm-hmm. passes, and, and things of that nature. But I think that, you know, in a scheme like this, an offense like this, it lightens the load a little bit. How do you prepare yourself mentally on a play when you know you're going to be one-on-one with a guy like Jadavion Clowney? Because I feel like a lot, at least last year, I would see you, they run a play-action play, and you would pull across the formation, and then you would be responsible for the defensive end on the opposite side of the field. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, I think the older I've gotten, the um, more I've come to not, it's, it's kind of a, it's a mind game, honestly. Right. So again, when I'm saying that we're mirroring everything together now, it's, you know, when I'm coming across the ball, you don't know if it's a run, a pass or a screen or, um, a play action. Yeah. You, you don't know. I mean, now it's, it's, there's so many things that we're doing that it's helping us in terms of the deep, the, you know, a Jadavion County is kind of taking extra steps or, you know, he's a second late because he's having to read what's going on, and now that way we can get our hands on him. But, um, yeah, I think it's for me it's, it's more of a patience thing. I'm not trying to run full speed at him, and all of a sudden he just throws me out of the way and then and gets in Andy's lap. So um, it's just a lot of film work and, again, something that I've kind of been working on um, and something that, you know, Coach Casey has been helping me with. Speaking of Coach Casey, what's it like having – a guy that he he was in the NFL just a few years ago. How's that been with a younger yeah. guy in the room? No, yeah, it's 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 uh it's awesome. I I think I could not be in a better position to have the two coaches that I I've had. Um, I mean, I, I've been unbelievably blessed to to be able to come out of Auburn and have you know Coach Hayes, who's played in the league for a really long time, and um, now Coach Casey, who is fresh out of the league um, and played against some of the guys that that I'm going against. Right. Um, so those two different perspectives and um, having him back there and, and, and having him out there and in the room and kind of saying, okay, well, I'm, I mean, I think his last year was what, 2015, he's 34 years old. Um, so he, he can relate to the things that we're doing now. And, um, you know, he's, he's an unbelievable coach and he's one of the boys and um, he, he's just helping with, you know, the, the intricacies again of the position and, and, and this offense and, um, how to attack certain players that he's gone against and that we're going against. And, um, yeah, again, I couldn't, I couldn't be in a better position having, having him as a coach. It must be a pretty stark contrast. I feel like a lot has been made of how you didn't have a tight ends coach at Auburn. You practiced with the fullbacks. Is that correct? I did, yes. So that must have been a pretty big jump. Do we have you on the record talking about what it was like to go from no position coach to now I'm in a whole room of tight ends? Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, my the position coach that I had in college, the two position coaches that I had, they were more special teams coaches. So I mean, when I would go, I would go into the receivers' room sometime. We would meet with the offensive linemen sometime, and um, then you know 
uh, our coach would, you know, we'd kind of just go over the plays and go over, you know, what what the script was for the day and, and things like that. So it, it is very different to come in. I mean, it was very different to come in and have a position coach sit you down and say, okay, this is the technique that I want you to use. This is um, how you step. This is how you run a gap play. This is how you run a zone play as, as an attached tight end. And um, I think it was good for me because I didn't have um, any bad habits really. You know, I, I wasn't really attached at Auburn. I was detached during the backfield. And um, so I think that, that helped drastically in terms of uh, I didn't really have to get out of any terrible habits that I had learned or any of that. So, um, but yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely eye-opening coming in day yeah. one. There's some conventional wisdom that tight ends need a little bit of seasoning. There are a few positions where they come out of the draft and you think, if they're not really polished in college and not like TJ Hawkinson comes out, he's an incredibly polished pro ready prospect and is making a difference for the Lions in year one. But for defensive tackles, a lot of the times for tight ends, just because for tight ends specifically, they ask you to do so much. Like you mentioned, you're pass blocking, you're run blocking, you're running routes, you're detached, you're out, you're, you're in the slot, you're beside a tackle. Sometimes you're back at H back. Do you think there's any truth to that? Or is it just, it's going to depend on the guy. Do you think that their seasoning time for tight ends is a general rule? Um, I get, I think, I think it depends on the guy. Um, you know, I think you're right. I think that there are times where you know you see you see some guys like, um, like a Jimmy Graham coming in and then you know a basketball player um, played basketball, big body type type guy, and you know I, I think it just it depends on, on the certain player for sure. Um, I, I don't think that um, you can, you can do that with everybody, but at the same time, I think um, like you said, I mean, because the tight end is at the, at the tight end position, you're asked to do so much. If, if you come in from a, from a college or from a high school or, or something like that, that doesn't really utilize a tight end and uh, the traditional sense that you would be playing in the NFL, then, then I think definitely there are certain cases and certain instances where, you know, you can, you can mold, um, someone who's athletic enough, who's big enough, who, who's willing to, to put in the effort, willing to put in the work to, to become a true tight end. And you've certainly done all those things. Congratulations, by the way, on your extension. That had to be fun. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a blessing. Um, and I couldn't be happier to, to, to be in Cincinnati still for sure. Uh, I'll ask you two more questions. Since you mentioned Cincinnati, we haven't talked about it yet. And I know you're from the Atlanta area. Do you eat the chili? I have eaten the chili one time. One time. You're not a chili one guy. One time. Well, I, I, I'll just say it didn't, it didn't affect my stomach the way that, that it probably should have. Okay. <laughs> so All right. uh, I, I, kind of, I kind of just uh, stay away from that just to, to help my stomach out. <laughs> All right. I feel you. Hey, you said you like to cook. I have a great recipe if you want to try it at home, and then you can kind of monitor the ingredients, cook it yourself. Maybe you'll like it better. Okay, hey, I'll, I'll take that. I'll hit, I'll hit you up with it. Uh, last question then before I let you go. I appreciate you staying with me a little bit longer here today than maybe you planned. The running game has had a tough couple weeks. Does it feel like it's close? Zach Taylor said that when he went back and watched the film on the 11 or 12 positive run plays, he called them, there's, you know, maybe one guy would lose a block or one guy would make a play on the defensive side of the ball. How does that feel in the locker room? How's that film review going? Does it feel close? Are they hammering it home? What's going on there? Yeah, I mean that 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 is that is 
what we want to pride ourselves on. That is um, a staple of ours that we are not happy about the way that we've been executing for the um, first two weeks. Um, and, yeah, it's something that we've been looking at, something that um, when we watch film, it is like we're we're pissed, honestly. I mean, we're upset with ourselves with, with how, um, you know, it's one guy doing, you know, whether it's me on the backside not completely cutting off my guy so that Joe or Gio doesn't, you know, that cutback lane isn't there, or, you know, whatever the case is, it's it's one person. And when we watch it, we, we're disgusted. We're, we're sick because we know that, that you know, the, the yards that we have should be, I mean, tenfold, honestly. I mean, with, with the schemes that we were doing, with the lanes that, that, that are there when one person is, is, is missing a block or maybe two, pers- two people are missing blocks or, you know, we have a penalty or whatever the case is, you know, we're, we're setting ourselves back first and second and long to where we're not able to run our, our bread and butter run plays. So um, our, our run game is there. We, we know it's there. We know that um, the things that we're doing are self-inflicted. It's, not, it's nothing that the, that the Seahawks or the 49ers have done. It's, it's something that, you know, we're doing to ourselves. Um, and so um, we looked at it in film. We, we walked through a lot of those plays today. And, and obviously in practice, we went through a lot of those plays today. And um, we can tell that those, that's what the coaches are emphasizing. Um, and that's something that's going to be a big, big point of emphasis for us. Well, I hope that gets better for you guys going forward. It's not fun to be pissed off about the way you're performing at work. I totally get that. I wish you best of luck in Buffalo. Sorry to end on a little bit of a down note there, but hey, things are going to get better, right? Exactly, exactly. They will. CJ, really appreciate it today. Hope you have a good game this week out in Buffalo. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.